Hey everyone, user feedback at the Primary Care Podcast. Uh, you can uh, email us at primarycarepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, today's uh, user feedback comes from an anonymous source. Uh, they have a joke for me today. Uh, Dear Dr. List, I know how much you love medical uh, jokes, so I have a joke for you. What is a schizophrenic's favorite Christmas carol? Answer, do you hear what I hear? All right, let's start the show. Editors note the email address is not primary care podcast. It's primarycarepod at gmail.com. Uh, on with the show. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced in my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we're having our new episode from our uh, brand new uh, Anawa Medical Clinic podcasting studio. Uh, we'll see if this gives us a little bit better uh, audio quality. Uh, super excited today. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. That, uh, it's to, to me, it, it just shows uh, that sometimes, again, we do things just because we've always done them and not because they're beneficial and uh, shows the value of evidence-based medicine. Uh, so today we're talking about ischemic heart disease, stable ischemic heart disease. Uh, this uh, trial comes from uh, the latest uh, American Heart Association meeting. Uh, this was a presentation that was done. This is not yet published uh, data, but was uh, presented uh, at the American Heart Association national meeting. Um, this trial is called ischemia, interestingly enough. Uh, this trial looked at 5,200 adults with stable ischemic heart disease. Now, how were these uh, ischemic heart diseases uh, selected? So these were patients that uh, were found to have ischemic heart uh, disease, moderate to severe heart disease, on stressed testing. So again, these are uh, patients that have verified moderate to severe ischemia after stress testing. Uh, so that's pretty important to know. Um, and the question being, in stable patients with at least moderate to severe ischemia on a stress test, is there a benefit to adding cardiac catheterization and revascularization to optimal medical therapy? So we know that medical therapy is very, very helpful for these patients uh, with moderate to severe ischemia. Uh, and so the question is, is cardiac catheterization uh, superior or is there value in doing the caths and and or uh, PCI stenting slash uh, cabbage. Uh, so how'd they do the design? Uh, so this was a, a blinded uh, CT angio of the chest, and basically the patients then were randomized to either get an invasive uh, procedure, uh, optimize their medical therapy, and cath them, and if they needed to revascularize them, uh, versus the conservative strategy is just optimize the medical treatment alone. Um, the catheters were reserved then for uh, optical medical treatment failure. So um, what kind of patients were uh, not included? Uh, basically, uh, they threw out anybody. Uh, hold on a second here. They threw out anybody with injection fraction less than 35% uh, and a uh, at New York Heart Association um, uh, class 3 to 4 heart failure. So not your severe heart failures. Um severe angina despite medical therapy. So if you could give the person a 
a uh, uh, nitrate or some other medication that could uh, relieve their angina, then they were included. If you could not exclu- if you could not solve their angina on medical therapy alone, uh, they went to cath. Uh, these were not people that recently had a heart attack in the last two months, um, and these were people that did not have a cabbage or get a stent within the last year. The also the very other interesting part. Uh, so to be included in the study, uh, you had to have moderate to severe ischemia on your stress testing. So these were sick patients. These were also patients that had at least 50% stenosis uh, in a major epicardial vessel or 70% stenosis or more in a proximal or mid-vessel. Uh, now, interestingly, these were people with definite, uh, definite stenosis, definite disease had to be included in their eligibility. Now, interestingly, though, the they excluded anybody with greater than 50% stenosis in the left main. Uh, obviously, uh, that's in order to protect, protect against a widowmaker, uh, so that was not included. So, again, if, uh, if your patient had moderate to severe ischemia, getting a CT angio of the chest first in order to rule out a left main, pretty important if you're going to try to do this treatment yourself. Now, what was optimal medical? What was optimal? medical treatment, uh, basically getting their blood pressure under uh, as good of control as possible, uh, putting them on a high-dose statin to decrease their total LDL burden, um, to put them on an aspirin or an aspirin alternative, and then to get them to stop smoking. And so what they did with this, uh, obviously they had the they had the two trials, right, the, the two arms, the treatment arm uh, went to cath, and the non-treatment arm just get just got optimized medical therapy. Now, only 41% of people were able to be optimized on their medical therapy. So, uh, of the of that control arm, there were 41% of patients that despite being on a high intensity statin or I shouldn't say that. Uh, 41% of people were not able to get their LDL under 70 or tolerate a statin and or tolerate a statin. Um, 65, 66% of people could tolerate a high-intensity statin, but even despite that, there were probably about seven people, I guess, uh, that could not get their LDL, uh, 7% of people that could not get their LDL under control. Um, they also, uh, 77% of the people in the control arm uh, were able to get their blood pressure under 140, but there were 23% that were unable to get their blood pressure under 140 systolic. Um, 10% of patients were also not able to quit smoking, so that kind of all adds up to your 59% of your control arm that were not able to be optimized under medical therapy. That did not exclude them from the data. They did not rule them out or take them out, but they just weren't optimized. Now, compared to the uh, the procedure arm that went through cath, only 20% of those patients were optimized medically. So when we talk about the results of the cath versus the medical therapy, just know that uh, even in this, even in this clinical trial, only 41% of their patients were being opt- opt- optimized medically, and only 20% in the uh, in the normal uh, intervention arm. So I think this is a takeaway before we get to the results about how important it is to optimize our patients, to get their blood pressure lower, to st- get them to stop smoking, to put them on an aspirin, and to get them on a high-dose statin and trying to get their LDL as low as possible. Okay, so... Uh, these were also very sick patients. Uh, they had uh, in both in both arms, 53%, 55% had severe ischemia in the left ventricle. Uh, moderate uh, moderate uh, ischemia was about 34, 34%, 33%. Um, these were patients, 40% of them had diabetes in both arms. Their ejection fraction was good, uh, about 60%. So again, these were not people with 
um, systolic heart failure by any stretch. Um, many of them had blood pressure issues. Uh, over 90% of them had obviously a history of angina, um, and uh, they had either a stress test, uh, stressed imaging, or just an exercise tolerance test um, that showed how they had their stress-induced ischemia. So again, sick patients, um, people who definitely benefit from intervention. So what did the data show? Well, um, oh, also there was no statistical significance in the uh, numbers of beta blockers used, calcium channel blockers used, other anginal medications used, aka nitrates, although your medication arm definitely had more use of those anti-anginal medicines. Um, and then there was some change in your dual antiplatelet. Obviously, the people that were cath were probably put on more scent, so therefore got more dual antiplatelet. So they were on for the first 12 months of the trial, statistically uh, a lot more dual antiplatelet being in the being in the procedure arm. Uh, so what did they show? Well, really not a whole lot. Um, their, the primary outcomes were cardiovascular death, uh, heart attack, hospitalizations for unstable angina, hospitalizations for heart failure, or resuscitated cardiac arrest outside the hospital. And very interesting, in the procedural arm, those that went in the went to cath, they had a a pretty good increased risk for cardiovascular death, heart attack, hospitalizations, and uh, out of out of hospital cardiac arrest in especially the first year, year and a half. Um, however, at follow-up, they went out through five years. At about three years, the intervention arm kind of turned it around to the point where there was about a 2% change uh, 2% change in the first year and a half in terms of increased risk for undergoing the cath, put them at higher risk. But then later in that three to five-year window, there's about a 2% uh, decrease risk. Now, overall, there was no statistical significance uh, between the overall hazard outcome of primary outcome between getting the cath or just being optimized medically, which as a primary care provider, I, I think this is really exciting news because these are sick patients. These are people with real stress test-induced ischemia. These are our sickest patients who are at high risk for cardiac complications. Um, and again, the total cumulative incidence, that primary outcome, was 15% in the conservative arm, uh, 13% in the intervention arm. I mean, that's, that's you know, only 85% of these people were, uh, you know, outcome-free uh, in five years after this initial uh, stress test. So these are pretty sick patients. And yet optimized medical therapy was not statistically inferior to undergoing cath. And I think as a primary care provider, this is really, really exciting news um, that there isn't anything that we need to be worried about that, you know, even if we didn't cath, these people were probably not missing a ton on them. Again, uh, caveat being don't miss a left main widowmaker. But I think that's the value of something like a uh, cardiac CT scan, you know, a CT angio. I think that's, I think that has significant benefit. Um, I'm flipping through here the rest of the trial. Uh, again, not much difference in any of the procedural stuff and the myocardial infarctions. Uh, primary point and point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, basically what's the take home point? Um, give me a second here. Oh, my computer froze. Oh, this is awesome. This is great podcasting right here. This is, this is fantastic. Um, so what does the shared decision making look like? Well, when we talk to our patients, um, in my world, that means that we can talk about conservative therapy was not, did not show any increased risk of clinical events. Um, being invasive did not decrease the risk of clinical events. Um, the, the people that went, underwent cath uh, had more likely to, be, to get a stent put in or more likely to have that intervention. They did have less angina. It was a lot more predictable. Uh, the conservative group had 
uh, they did have controlled angina, um, but they did have more episodes of angina that needed medications. Um, again, but well-controlled. Was uh, There were very few that were in the crossover that, because of uncontrolled angina, had to, be, had to undergo the procedure. Um, uh, catheterization and revascularizations were avoided in well over two-thirds of the patients in the conservative therapy group. Um, again, early hazard. There was early risk in the invasive group, so undergoing cath increased your risk for uh, cardiac outcomes um, in that first you know, year and a half. But conservative therapy looked like there was some later hazards uh, that wasn't trending to be worse over time. It just kind of stayed at about 2% there in that last, that three to five year window on follow-up. So um, I guess the take-home point is uh, feel free, go forth family practitioners and internal medicine providers and PAs and NPs to, to know that, you know, this is not anything that uh, is, you know, stable and ischemic heart disease, which is pretty scary stuff normally and, and is associated with high rates of morbidity and mortality didn't really show that much benefit at all, um, you know, aside from a few little caveats there as we just talked about, to undergoing cath compared to just optimizing the medical therapy. The take-home, again, we talked about earlier was it's hard to optimize them medically, but get them on a high-dose statin and get their LDL as low as possible, get their blood pressure under control, stop them from smoking. Uh, and again, even in this clinical trial, they were only able to do it 41% of the time in that conservative arm. So uh, would the would the data he looked even better in the conservative arm if they could get more patients uh, under optimized medical therapy? Probably, uh, but that was kind of a, a real life uh, situation. Uh, so I think I, I think the take home point is go forth, uh, do the best you can in terms of optimizing cardiac uh, risk factors, and uh, do the best you can, knowing full well that. You are just as good as that overpriced catheter for stable ischemic heart disease, with the caveat being make sure it's on a left main. So how'd we do today? Enjoy what you're listening to? Any suggestions on topics for the podcast or recommendations of articles? Please send them to me at primarycarepod at gmail.com. That's all one word, primarycarepod at gmail.com. We'll also take any comments, questions, or concerns about the episode. If you want me to read your comment or question on the next episode, I can certainly throw them in. Please include whether you want to that comment or question to be anonymous or credited with your name. Please check the episode details for links for free CME. And so we'll wrap up another episode saying thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. This has been Dr. Mark List reminding you, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great day.